Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Journeyman Improv Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Shope. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Today, we have a terrific guest, uh, someone I've had the honor of working with, in fact. Uh, Josh Spence, please say hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing good. I'll answer for everybody. Cool, uh, cool, cool. cool. So, well, before we get started, let's go ahead and plug uh, what we're, what's coming up for you, Josh. Oh, my gosh. So many things. Uh, on a personal level, I play with two wonderful teams. Over at the uh, West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica, I play on an alley team called Lizard People. We're new and young and looking to take over. Um, I also play with the Feel Good, Not Bad Death Laser, a very lovely team of mine that I've been playing with for almost three years. We play at the Revolution Theater, which is uh, an up-and-coming theater also in North Hollywood, California. Uh, we started out of uh, you know, post-IO, and we're building and making something wonderful over there. And then uh, also I'm a producer over at the Improv Orphanage, also at uh, North Hollywood, California, and we're curating some of the best indie teams around town. So uh, you're looking to play and get some reps and meet some new people, obviously, uh, let's do it, man. Dig it. Awesome, man. So um, we'll, we were probably going to do this a little bit out of order, but I would like to talk about where me and you met first. Yeah. Um, we were fortunate enough to both be uh, uh, in the same class before the Nick Armstrong JTS Brown team. Yeah. A, a class, uh, uh, one, so that we were called one before we, I'm just like, one was really great. No, but one was a really fun team that we got to do. It was yeah. really cool. I love JTS Brown, like the form and what an awesome cast it was and all kinds of like cool things that we got to do at the Pack Theater too in LA. For me, that was uh, that was like a dream team situation because uh, yeah. I had asked Nick about JTS in a side conversation for a while. And he was like, yeah, if a team ever formed, I'll let you know. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, like two years later, he's like, hey, we're doing a team. You've got to come do this. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I show up, and I, di- I didn't know much of the people. So I'm like, who are these guys? And yeah. then, you, there's that process of once you actually know people, you're like, yeah. oh, wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the yeah. I'm the Christian Leitner on this team. Yeah. Great. Uh, <laughs> well, I always think it's funny with that team um, – Immediately, you get there, and we had former guest Joe Spence on the team too. Yeah, two different Jo Spences, yeah, yeah. like you know, on the team immediately, and everyone was like, "Oh, they're clearly can't have the same last name and not be brothers." Like, and then we're like, "Are you guys related?" Like, no, we're like not at all. Yeah. Had you met Joe Spence before that? No. So again, even in the <laughs> sometimes close knit universe of improv, we're gonna run into people like that. It's really funny. But since then, we've we've made that a running bit of us being brothers. Yeah. And our older brother being Joel Spence, who like doesn't want to talk to us at all. Yeah. And it works more often than not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that team had so many good people, man. You had the OC people it was like yeah, you yeah. and Derek and Davey, just mm. uh and then, so uh, uh, obviously, a lot of people in L.A. We had Artemis Badomni, which was really cool. Yeah, that's uh, a force of nature. Right there. Yeah, she was she was really awesome. So, uh, but like, just just so you know, that's how we know each other. And I've, I've been very fortunate to have met uh, Josh through there. So, uh, let's jump back to the beginning then. So, what was your first experience and taste of improv? <laughs> uh, okay, so if we're doing this story, I, I, I love this story. It's one of my favorite ones. Um I, I was dating a girl at the time, and we were going to go see Undateable, a show over at Second City. Mm-hmm. And we got there super early, and we had time to kill, so we actually walked over to I.O. West, and mm-hmm. I thought it was just a bar. Because these are both on Hollywood Boulevard and, like, within walking distance. Yeah, with the, what two, like, with a block. Of yeah. So uh, I.O. West uh, has a big old bar with, like, glass, uh, glass windows, walls. Yeah. And then the theater is in the back. But I didn't see the theater. I just thought it was a bar. Mm-hmm. And we spent the whole night there because the drinks were great and cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, months later, we broke up. I was like, where is that great bar at? Yeah. Went back to iOS. Um, went there a few times, still not knowing it was a theater. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. And then they had the, uh, what was it? The They had their Im- the iOS, their improv festival. Yeah. And uh, I go in there, and I go, what is this line? Because there's a line. Yeah. And then Lauren Miller, who's bartending, she goes, oh, Beer Shark Mice is playing. And I'm like, what's what's a Beer Shark Mice? And she was very uh, kind to let me know that this was an improv theater, mm-hmm. and Beer Shark Mice were one of the best teams to have ever played. Yeah. And uh, she was like, get a ticket, get in line. Yeah. You'll, and that moment changed my life. That's amazing. I, I love the idea that the first improv you see is – is because there's I think there's two schools of thought. I think for me, like for me personally, my first seeing improv live was like that's what I'm gonna do for sure. Yeah. And then it's great that Beer Shark Mice of all things, you know what I mean. My first one was like my high school comedy sports team. So like yeah. uh, even that, which is a far flung from Beer Shark Mice, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for for both of us to have seen that, that's that's really good. so. It was truly a rock star experience because yeah. the lights go down and the their song uh, Comfort Eagle by Kate comes up yeah. and you hear. 
uh, 120 people just clapping at time, yeah. ready. And when they come on, it's like a rock concert. Yeah. It blew me away. So at that time, if we can go back to that moment, yeah. did when you, they when they were doing the show, was it pure magic? Did you see any work, like the wiring at all? Or was this all like some sort of weird universal energy thing happening? Total weird universal yeah. energy because uh, – uh, we're gonna get talk shop here, I yeah. guess, a little bit. Uh, they do a slacker, so it rotates from one scene to the next. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, this character's cool. I'd like to see more of him." Oh, the next scene is that person I yeah. want to see more of. Fantastic! Yeah, it's already it's, it's so funny that we, if we were to observe, I mean, I, I think me and you, but I think most improvisers are. It's true, but like, I don't know if we can watch improv as just like I don't. Know if we, we obviously you can never see something again for the first time, but I don't know if we can. It's oh, yeah. hard to divorce. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to divorce my knowledge of improv from watching a really great improv show. Like mm-hmm. now, now I appreciate different things though as an audience. I mean, the, uh, when I, the first time I saw King Ten, I'd done improv since like high school. I did a little bit outside of high school. Yeah, um, but that was the last time in a, a and maybe watching some stuff here and there. Where I, was, I was like, I how did this all happen? Like this is all pure magic. I don't know. I don't know how anything happened. I don't know how. Yeah. So it was just like watching like a, like a childlike wonder. You know what I mean? Speaking of pure magic, I want to ask you this. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm the guest, but I'm going to ask you this. Feel free. Anytime. When you, when you played with King 10, that was one of the few moments where I instantly and simultaneously loved you and yeah. hated you at the oh, same for time. Sure. Because I wanted to be that. No. I was like, Joey fucking Job's doing that. Oh, good man. Yeah, he deserves it. That's a great. That's a, it's great. <laughs> I mean, it it was it was insane. Yeah, like, what's that? Like? Uh, it was cool. Uh, it was me, Nick, Dave Hill, and then they brought in like a student too, like into the fold yeah. as well. I always compared it to like you know the scene towards the end of Goodfellas where the main character is like driving around looking at helicopters, yeah, like, yeah. like he's like they're fucking coming out. That's how I felt going to LA that night, and I was like so like nervous and like yeah, yeah. and like because like at that time too, like it was I think that was like. I wasn't as confident as I was with dealing with like playing with such amazing players for or sure. whatever. So like it was like all things and like that for me. That's like the team I watch. Like that's like my like I yeah yeah. So like uh, and some people have that with um, all kinds of stuff. But like some people think feel the same way with Doctor God or yeah Miles Stroth or something. So that that was the team that I saw because I I saw that show. Yeah, I was a shutdown. Who cares? I saw I, I got into that show uh, at nineteen uh, by going through the back, even though it's a bar. That's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what are they gonna do? Pull their funding? whatever uh so so and then so like when you're 19 or 20 watching king 10 for the first time you're like what the fuck and then to like yeah four years later be a part of it too was like so cool and so cool and i appreciate that too because it was uh, i have a similar story and yours was the realized version here's mine right so uh i took classes with paul valancourt bringing it back to the beginning uh kind of even told him straight up just like teach me all your ways he was like okay well it's gonna take more than one week so yeah keep hanging on yeah uh went to every beer shark my show i could um, at, one, at this point, I'd become friends with Paul, and he was like, "Hey, let me introduce you to the cast." And I was yeah. like, I, be, "I was like, oh my god!" So he introduced me to everybody. Uh, he introduced me to Neil Flynn. Right? Yeah. We're at the bar, and uh, he's like, "Oh, hi, nice to meet you." And I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours." And he was like, "Hey, you should come play with us sometime." And I was like, "Oh no, I possibly couldn't. That that, <laughs> that won't happen." And then he just looks at me, just so dry. He's like, "All right, well, you had your chance," and just walked away. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so brutal! <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, I to be honest with you, I don't know. If my answer now would be that different, yeah, I mean, I I would be like, yeah, whatever you say, sir. Like, I would definitely for sure call him sir. Like, yeah, that yeah. is not a question, because like I just don't like because I'm I'm I've been able to meet more and more famous people doing improv still. Like air quotes, he he did air quotes. Yeah, well, I mean, like <laughs> Arnis Pepdani is so fucking famous to me for sure. You know what I mean? Uh, but like, yeah, uh, uh, but for like maybe middle America, they don't know who she is or yeah. like. You know, um, or whatever. So, like, seeing her, I um, was like so cool that she was even going to work with me too. But like, but like, I I can't imagine the first. Like, I met Jack McBrayer like um, mm-hmm. when he was doing Quartet. I was like, oh, like and I was like, but he's also like the nicest guy ever. So, yeah. so like, it, it I've gotten more comfortable with it, and also more ang- anxious that I'm going to blow this. Like, mm-hmm. whenever I meet someone with who is genuinely famous. So meeting Neil Flynn would have fucking like rocked my world because I love Scrubs too. Yeah. Uh, so, so you see the show and immediately like, what do I got to do to sign up for classes right now? Like, was that, was it like yeah. literally the next step? I, it, it went like this. I saw uh, Beer Shark on a Wednesday. I got paid that Friday. Went back to opening night. Saw, or uh, yeah, saw opening night, right? Yeah. Shirley Cowan and the improvised musical. That blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Went back again because I'm, um, Drinking the Kool Aid. Saw yeah. Doctor God on Saturday. Yeah. Sunday, all my extra money after paying bills went to class. 
did level one that following month. So yeah. I mean, just whirlwind romance. Yeah. What a, I mean, what a, what a insane week too to have like, yeah. Beer. I mean, I'm, I'm repeating what you just said, but beer shark mice opening day, opening day. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I went to a baseball game as well. Yeah, yeah. Opening day, yeah, it was opening day baseball. No, uh, Beer Shark Mice, Doctor God, um, uh, opening night. What yep. is it? What are they called? Yep. Opening night. Yep. Okay. Opening night. I don't know why you just said them, but my, it's gone from memory. You got it. And like all in one, like like oh, the human brain can almost process only can only process so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like to be like that enraptured by magic. So so you signed up for level one. Did you get Paul Valencourt? Yeah. Yeah, that was my level one too when I went there. And that was the funny thing too because I was like, who am I going to take? Uh, and there's a great roster of, of teachers uh, for sure. And then Valancourt was on the bottom. I was like, oh, that's the guy that I – like, that's the guy. Yeah. And then you read his bio, and it's like – it seriously went, uh, you know, he studied with Del Close for all these years. And I was like, who's this Del Close guy? For Go- sure. Google Del Close. It's like, oh, yeah, so this is the guy I'm going to follow. Yeah, when cool. I signed up for class for the first time, I, I hit up uh, Josh Nichols. And I was like, who should I take? And I was mm-hmm. like, it's like, I got this person, this person, this person. He's like, oh, Paul Valancourt, no question. I was like, yeah. all right, well. Shout out to Josh Nichols. Yeah. That guy's an amazing man, too. Yeah, oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you're going through the improv classes. When you started going through these classes – did things, did you reflect on shows and things started making sense, or did it get more complicated? Like, <laughs> like, because I feel like yeah. that happens when you take classes. Either things start making sense, or you realize how much more complicated it's gonna be. Oh, it started out super complicated. Yeah, uh, and here's why. First of all, um, I had the thought. <laughs> it's funny. I was like, oh, I want to take these improv classes and we get really good at comedy, and then I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live for sure. Because you know how SNL does improv. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I'm, a, I'm a writer. Uh, that's what I do when I'm not improvising. So I'm used to, you know, uh, writing and thinking a certain way and editing and like this is how I want the voice on paper to sound. And that's not right. necessarily right. how that works with human people when you're supposed to be listening mm-hmm. and reacting. So getting that out of my head as much as possible. Yeah. And then I was super nervous because as a as a you know person who reviews movies, mm-hmm. I can say whatever I want on paper, and they're not gonna like yeah come get me <laughs> yeah and like if I say something, it's gonna affect that other person. So, yeah. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, how much was the? Uh, how much did you have like? Or rather, let me put it this way: when you when you start taking classes, were you like I want to take as much as I can now, or were you just I want to streamline this one thing? Oh, okay. Yeah, I went as much. I went, uh, I guess, not necessarily wide, but I went super deep. Right. Uh, week one, I I literally pulled Paul after class, said, uh, "Hey, I'm going to be one of your best students. I want you to <laughs> teach me everything." Yeah. Like he was like, "Okay, well, we'll see." And I was like, "Yeah, we'll see." And yeah. Like here we are now, as I get to help him with the uh, revolution, revolution yeah, which so, is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, week two, and this is how it, it one helps the other. Week two, I signed up for a uh, internship over at IO West. Yeah. And then uh, Paul was nice enough to put in a good word for me with uh, the oh, artistic that's awesome. director. Yeah, and I, you know, instead of you know working like as a bar back or a guy at the door, I actually got to work upstairs and yeah. help do paperwork and file stuff. And you know, like, and I did that twice a week. Everybody used yeah. to have just like one shift. Yeah. At one point, I was working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So yeah. I just because you were like, because it's all yeah, yeah. I like the metaphor you used to like. You're not as necessarily as wide, but as deep as you possibly can. Yeah, and I live there. I, I I'll tell you this much: I live there so much, and you've been to iOS. Yeah. Uh, parking is horrible, where yeah. you would always have to pay a valet. Yeah. Uh, I talked to the valet. I got month. I got a monthly parking deal with them. Really? Yeah. They're like, hey, we see you all the time. And you know, if you just pay this monthly, you can just park here. As That's often. awesome. Yeah, and I did that for a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's so crazy. I mean, it, it just that happens so often. I find where it's like not for everybody, but like it is a thing. Of like, I probably would have been in the same boat had I not lived forty five minutes away. Yeah, because like at my height, like like now, oh my, God, I'm such like a pansy now because I'm like I gotta go to L A twice this week. Fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. But like when I was twenty one, uh-huh. I was still going to iOS, UCB, um, 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 West Side, the Improv Space. Like and I was like, no problem. And sometimes I even do jams and come up on a different day. Yeah, you're a road warrior. Yeah, and I'm like, fucking, let's do this. Now yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh. West Santa Monica. Why? Yeah, no. Uh, um, but now I. Well, it's probably possibly part of it too is I pay more bills now, so yeah, that's part of it. Um, uh, you know who also really instilled that in me? Yeah, Paul was a big guy. He's uh, he really teaches. He thinks of uh, improv as Zen, and it, it, yeah, it's that and that's really helped me. But another improv uh, guy that I really look up to a bunch, and I'm sure a whole bunch of people listening to this podcast do as well, is uh, Brian O'Connell. Oh, for sure. I had him for level two, and he was saying just about. 
uh, watching shows is so important. And like yeah. he he did this, and I took the same thing. He's like, I would go to the same show, or you know, go to the, every single day, sit in the same chair, and just watch from my perspective. Take, and mm-hmm. I did the same thing. Like I had that corner chair yeah. up in the second row. Yeah, like that was my spot. Like Stevens was a uh, waitress. Then she knew my drink, my yeah. spot. Like it was online. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. No. Uh, I. That's like, what what a cool like two like Zen masters in a row. You go from like from Paul Valencourt to Brian O'Connell to these two dudes who are like so much like not in their head at all, but like they're so like they're just in like the moment of like improv. Yeah. Even, like not even on stage, but like they're just so like in the zeitgeist of it. You know what I mean? They're, yes, very much so. So you're going through the program. Did you finish up in a year? Like, when you went, how many classes were How many levels were there? There were seven. Seven. Okay. When I went, there were seven, too. Yeah. So, yeah, back then, at least, it was like seven classes, seven weeks apiece. So, like, 49 weeks. Yeah. So like, like, a full year with Christmas and Thanksgiving off. Pretty yeah, much like, yeah. For sure. I, I'll tell you this. I went so much, and I had accrued so many credits from not yeah. only just one shift. I had three shifts a week. Yeah. That I was able to uh, double up uh, my classes. So, I had, like, level one with Paul, level two with uh, Brian O'Connell. Level three, learning the Herald with uh, with Paul again, and then at that point, I had like I took level four concurrently, like two level yeah, fours. Yeah. So I got like Greg Hess and Greg Kikowski. That's amazing. Yeah, I got to do level five with like two different people. That's level cool. six with two. So I was getting two perspectives on this at the same exact time. What an awesome! What an awesome thing to get. So it was nuts. So once you've all but done with graduating iOS, was iOS the place that at that time at least that, like, that's the only place I want to go and do stuff with? Or did at that point were you interested in broadening your horizon? Because now it's a different story. You're at Santa Monica Revolution yeah, and Prop yeah. Orphanage. But at that time was like that's the one that's my Mecca. That's the one place I'm trying to get through. Oddly enough, uh yes to answer the question, but I also didn't know that there was a bigger community right. that existed at the yeah. time. So I was in a uh, level two, I think. Talking to Brian and BOC, who does stuff, um, which was Miles Stroth then, but yeah, now the, the pack. pack. He was like, hey, check out this show, uh, this thing I do called Long Hard Tuesdays. I think yep. you might like it. And then I, I was like, oh, there's more of this stuff that I like at yeah. other places? Rad. Yeah. And, and then I became the Joey Shope Road War. Yeah. I got to do this, I got to do this. And, yeah. and then, yeah, just... Because it's like in. such a different experience going from, and I, I'm not, and I want to be clear, I'm not devaluing any place that wasn't iOS, UCB, Second City, but like it is such an interesting perspective shift when you do go to like an iOS to like a, a pack theater. Yeah. Uh, the improv space in West Side. Even yeah. Santa Monica. Santa Monica has like an iOS feel to it, like a UCB feel to it. Very it's, much. You know, because it's like a, it's a bigger thing than what it is, mm-hmm. you know. But like the pack is at one, like it's one place. It's yeah. like here is pack, here is our style, here's what we do. Uh, improv space is the same thing. Yeah. It's like you know, so like it is. It is a different. It feels super. Maybe I'm. Maybe it was just a me thing. But did, did it feel different going from like place A that's like a big theater to like place B that's like kind of more like not downsized but like more streamlined into one thing? Yeah, each one had a different philosophy because yeah. like iOS would definitely be my home for sure, especially if like. People know my drink, <laughs> you know? But, like, sure. if you go to PAC, and their, one of their mottos is, like, don't be boring. And yeah. they're pushing the limit, and that's yeah. great. And then you go to, like, M- Impro Studio, yeah. which is completely, exclusively yeah. genre work. Yeah, yeah. And you watch that, and that'll blow your mind. Yeah. And then you see uh, clown work at, like, theater arts. Uh, improv spaces or a place where you just get your reps in and like mm-hmm. it's a combination of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Westside really caters to their audience and that's a huge audience. Like I wasn't really aware of short form until I saw Mission Improbable. Yeah. And that was like a year into it. And I was like, what the f- is yeah. this? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's I always find it, it it's rare, but I always do find it interesting when someone's done long form first and then short form because because mm-hmm. like in the traditional sense, I think in the traditional sense people do short form first and then long form usually yeah especially with high schools or like the drama For department sure. you know um, so you've graduated iOS um, and I would like to talk about because uh, feel good not bad death laser yeah God I hope I got it all um, yeah you did okay. They do uh, deconstruction. Was that always was, was that always true? Or yep. okay. Yep, yep. So so the iOS teaches the Herald, and uh, you know it does like level six for me at least at the time was like different forms and stuff like that, which is yeah. where you learn slacker Same with us, and for sure. Yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so with do, being done with the training program at iOS and still being a part of it. Were you interested in exploring things outside of the Herald, or and that's where the Death Laser came from, or did that happen uh, completely differently? No, it, it happened exactly that way. I, I love the Herald. Um, I like the philosophy of the Herald that it it really can be anything. I yeah. think so much think of it as the 
basic format that we know it now, but yeah. it really can be. It's just uh, like Douglas said, it's a it's an arrangement of scenes, games, and monologues, and yeah. whatever that fits is what that is. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many Herald teams at IO, like, right? It was exclu- almost exclusively Herald. Well, Herald Night was like Tuesday night or whatever. Tuesday and Wednesday, Wednesday for yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, that I wanted to you know see what else was out there. I mean, you know, there's the Slacker, which was something I was introduced to very early on. Uh, the improvised movie, I took a class on that, and again, I just keep saying that guy's name, but mm-hmm. I learned it from Paul Valancourt and had a team with that and learned that for a while, and uh, I always wanted, BOC would always talk about how the deconstruction changed his way of, not only just an improv, but the way, his, right. what, his way of life, and I was right. like, well, let's see what this is really about. Right. And took a workshop, and damn it if he wasn't right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean that's how I felt with the JTS Brown, and I've I've gone enough about I've gone on plenty about like how I feel about that. So so the deconstruction you, you take it and it's like it's kind of like it it, it is a great form. Mm-hmm. Um, it covers things that I dig in improv. You yeah. know what I mean? I I, I love the idea of because if to get really here we go already hippy dippy. I don't know what time we're at, but we're already but like we're if in. improv if improv is the art of building off the last thing said. That like my scene partner just said or whatever. That's that's the whole art form. Then the the deconstruction is that completely because you take you you build your your two character scenes based off the initial yeah. dramatic not dramatic but more grounded scene. Yeah, basically. You build scene, for sure. you build the five straight absurd five straight whatever. Yeah, yeah uh, off of the 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 grounded scene. You build the the run off of everything you've done so far. So literally, it's like one following the other, which is all improv is. But then you take it into this form, which uh-huh. is the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, so it, it is crazy how <laughs> this is going to be. Here we go. Deconstruction is what I view as like a very like um, focused yes and exercise. Not exercise, but like a focused yes and form. It's, it's hyper yes and yeah. for like that philosophy of it. Yeah. And what's amazing about that too is uh, that specific model you're talking about yeah. is like uh, a Miles Stroth deconstruction. If, yeah. if we're going to go even deeper. Yeah. There's like a Del Close deconstruction. Yeah. And that is actually kind of set like the, the basis of what we would see as like um, if you improv heads, which you should be, would know is like a, like a pretty flower, right? Yeah. Because like it keeps returning to that and you can just take off petals exactly, of what yeah. it is. And it's it's just the way you play about it. But either way, it's it's yeah. hyper yes anding and deconstructing bigger like bigger elements of like thematic life yeah. things. And then just like, hey, you said uh, womp womp, and we're gonna yeah. do something off womp womp. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I mean, that's all. That's all. That's always part of it too. And so. Uh, it's so funny doing the deconstruction. You did the deconstruction obviously first, and then we get introduced to JTS Brown together. Mm-hmm. I'd certainly like to hear your your more of your thoughts of JTS Brown because for me, it was like this thing where like in improv you're allowed to do whatever you want. Yeah. Oh well, you know what I mean. Like you're allowed to do whatever you want, and then you JTS Brown and you do. Oh, you really are allowed to do. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want. I'm I'm a huge uh, form fiend. Like yeah. I also like playing formless and whatever happens. Yeah. I like I'm I'm all for that as well, but like. Uh, I was really inspired by forms because I was taught Harold so much and so extensively. Yeah. You would get double. You would get double Harold work. Yeah. Like, for a couple levels, three, five, and uh, like seven or or, or six. Or yeah. Whatever. So that's like yeah. a year of just yeah. concentrated Harold. Yeah. So it was like there's this thing called the slacker. What's the and, and I I was so lucky to be taught these forms by like masters of that form. Like yeah. I was taught uh, slacker by uh, Pete Holney and, and Paul. Paul helped with that. Uh, Paul also d- did the improvised movie, coached an improvised movie team with yeah. us. BOC introduced me to the deconstruction. Yeah. Um, so when it got to the JTS, it was like, what is this yeah. new? I, I've heard of this form. Mm-hmm. It, it's like one of those like far out In the things. myths and legends of like, yeah. you have to travel up a mountain and you know solve a riddle. and Yeah, know. and I'm a big uh, improv history guy. So like hearing yeah. like that early cast of yeah. the JTS, it's like, Legendary, right? Sadakis, so, uh, Jack McBrayer, like yeah. Kevin Dorff, Sim- and um, John Farley. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. what is going on here? Yeah. Um, so when it finally happened, it was just like there was no choice but to say yes. Yeah. Like, dig it. Yeah. Dig it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, that it really can be anything, which mm-hmm. was really amazing at the time because being a form guy, like, here's these guideposts and checkpoints yeah. and like, you know, follow this like almost like a recipe to some degree, and then JTS Brown's like, "There's no recipe." Yeah, who says there's even ingredients? I <laughs> like, I will always think about. It. I, I talked about. So I coached the JTS Brown team in Orange County, but I talked about this all the time mm-hmm. uh, of a movie you literally invented in a show one time. Yeah. Uh, so so in the JTS Brown, there are <laughs> there are moves 
which are like shorthand ways to do certain things if like you know whatever we don't really have to we don't have to get into that much but once I'll I- say it like this I think if it, maybe this will help if, if like you're painting like an oil painting you have like that that palette of like all the oh, different yeah. colors like those colors are like little moves you could do yeah exactly I, I think that's perfect but one time you just like asked an audience member like a, like a, a personal question and like everyone on the stage went that's what it is now like we're all going yeah. to we're all going to like i think we called it like group therapy because mm-hmm. we asked kind of like more yes, of a deep did. heartfelt question and that happened we didn't like talk about that before nope. we didn't be like hey let's try out some new moves tonight you just broke out and did it and yeah. like i talked about that all the time with not just the Davis brown team but like if i ever coach a herald team i ever coach you know whatever oh cool it's like Thanks. it's like you can do like you the 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 canvas is blank you fill yeah. in whatever you want to do and i think the jds brown is like super good for that because you learn that yeah. like yes whatever i'm I mean, it goes back to the base philosophy. Whatever happens next is correct, and I'm going to support it. And I, th- I think that that moment that you're talking about was also very – it was influential to me too because it's like, uh, yeah, there is group mind and team support because when that moment happened, not only uh, did everybody accept that move, mm-hmm. but everybody on the team not only was like, okay, let's see where this goes. Like I went to like this thinking like psychiatrist pose – and the whole team just jumped right next to me. And, yeah. like, it was, what, like, nine psychiatrists at that yeah. moment. And I was like, oh, love, warmth. This is amazing. It, uh, I mean, like, uh, I don't know. I, I have so much. Like, one was such a huge deal for me, like, yeah. uh, as a team. Um, it was, like, because it was finally, like, a JTS Brown that I was on that was working, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, the cast stuck around for most of it. You know, we'd have some smaller shows, but, like, Really, we'd still do like five people. Mm-hmm. Uh, JTS Browns, which were, sure. were fucking in bonkers. Yeah, um, that those were some shows where um, you just literally have to pay attention to every single thing yeah. that is said at every single moment because even if it's like a a larger move that expands throughout the whole show, you have to be aware that that's happening and that you're a part of it. I it's mean, it was such a crazy ex- experience to deal with like, the audience because I maintain that despite mm. it being a 7:30 show on a Tuesday night, yeah. towards the end we were building an audience. Like we there were. were there were people there to see us, which was awesome. Oh, I mean they were there for the whole hour. Yeah. But like we were in the second half, so we'd always see more people in the second half. Um because the whole hour was great. We were sharing with the deconstruction, so we, you got two fucking really heady, yeah. not necessarily heady, but like two advanced forms back For to sure. back. So it was like a really cool night of improv. Um, I'll, 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 to jump in on that, the, one of the best reviews I've ever heard of any show that I have ever been in yeah. uh, coming out of that, uh, I, actually I think it was the, the Psychiatrist show, but we're coming out. And one guy was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know, that was some crazy shit. Yeah. I loved every yeah. minute. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that, okay, I want, we want improv. Well, like, well like, we, like, the audience interaction, because uh, what this is all folding into being is we're going to talk about, like, how revolutionary theory is growing and stuff like that and, like, all those kind of things and still doing this. But, like, I remember, like, we, we, it was such like a, it's not an audience interactive show like they don't give more than one suggestion but we, you know we do get like the the philosophy or like line of, but like the audience was so involved in kind of a way like mm-hmm. i remember we did the we did a show the night like trump got elected and probably yeah. no surprise this is not the most like centralist or right wing yeah, podcast yeah. on the planet but like i remember there there being like a feeling in the audience of like anxiety yeah and like i just felt like it felt cathartic to like laugh with people and mm-hmm. do like you know, you know, doing the JTS Brown with them was like, and having the audience engaged with that was very like cathartic for me and kind of like a stress relief. And it was like, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll all figure this out. It was a, another moment like that for me, and is uh, especially when all the police brutality stuff was really yeah. bubbling up. And we did a whole opening, and it connected throughout the whole show of like surveillance and injustice yeah. and beatings, and we yeah. all beat up Don Strong, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that was every show. We, we, that was every show, but the fact that we were able to make that comment and yeah. people were like, oh, I, yeah, I know what these guys are talking yeah. about. Yeah. Dig it. Yeah. Uh, again, it, I, probably, we talk, I probably talk about it too much because it, it just was such a fundamental like part of my existence. So, yeah. So uh, I, would like, I would like to move on. So as, as uh, Feel Good Not Bad is growing, I could just call it Death Laser, Joe. We got, as Death Laser is growing. Don't feel bad. At the Improv Orphanage, uh, the guy who introduces us, Dave Stratton, he, uh, it's the feel-good, not-bad death laser. Right? Yeah. And he's like, coming up to the stage, the feel-good, but not bad. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, so don't worry about it, man. You're Did good. Did you, uh, uh, we're, let's prepare ourselves, audience, we're going to get off on a fucking tangent. Yes. Um, so you've done, you do 
movie music. You do a lot of reviews of like uh, uh, cultural stuff like that. You did. You did said you did music too, right? Yeah. Do you ever listen to the uh, the um, album by They Might Be Giants, Severe Tire Damage? Sounds familiar. Uh, so like they did like half the album is like recorded at a show and half of them is like studio like. Oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. So like the second song uh, is like it's called They Got Lost, and the introducer goes. Coming up next, they must be giants. You know, like, and you hear like the audience laugh. Like, I think you hear the band laugh too. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, so that just reminded me of that <laughs> tangent. Come back. Okay, cool. Uh, uh so with iOS, because we got to talk about that with iOS shutting down. Yeah. How? I mean, because I've heard all angles of this. It was like, oh, the writing was on the wall. Oh, you know, it was bound to happen. Oh, maybe it wasn't going to happen. And we got to pull it out last minute. I think Joy Mamie brought a, g- a good point where, like, comedy sports was going through a rough patch, too. Yeah. But everyone rallied, and there was posts on Facebook and yeah, they were uh, fighting. Kickstarter, and they are now better, seemingly. It seems like they're yeah. better now yeah, yeah. than when they were. And there wasn't that for iOS. So mm. I want to hear, for someone who was as invested into that, place as you were which i think is very fair to say that three nights a week volunteering yeah one night of shows all this kind of stuff you were pretty heavily involved for sure did that come out of nowhere for you uh yeah i i think to a certain level of improviser and performer it definitely was uh at, a, at near that at the end there uh we had uh, like a weekly show there we were yeah. doing on sunday nights and booking people and bringing stuff in um i it came at such a fast pace that that like that Friday, got an email from uh, Zach Zach Huddleston mm-hmm. going, yeah, these are we're, we're good with the shows. Just we're, he booked us like two months in advance. Yeah, just like hey, just so you know, these are your shows. Yeah. Heads up. And then that Tuesday was like, hey guys, we only have two weeks left. Boom. Yeah. So uh, I think some people for sure knew ahead of time, and right. there's definitely people who. Uh, were bigger ups and obviously had a bigger history. Uh, you know, like yeah. some people have been there 10, 15 years. They yeah. know they know where the bodies are buried, yeah. and they knew what was coming up. But uh, for uh, definitely for a large amount of performers, this came out of nowhere, which I think had a lot of that you know bitter and resentment. Yeah, and anger, for sure, righteous anger. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, has it been a year? Like it feels like it feels both like it happened yesterday, and it feels like such a foregone memory now too. Because I, the good news, the the silver lining in all this is stuff did pop up. Revolution, Improv Orphanage, so yeah. Like, so that kind of stuff is. Uh, so a two part question: Is that wound ever going to heal? And if it is going to be healed, ever, or how close are we to it being like scabbed over and healed? Mm, I think I think that really depends with the player and you know the person and the time. Sure. Uh, I had been there for four years. It uh, it it did hurt very much because that was like it was like the idea of you can't go home. Yeah, more than anything. Um, there's certainly, again, like there's people like Paul or Brian O'Connell, or, you know, Zach, those guys for sure that have put so much, so much. Like, yeah, I'm sure that wound is still very, <laughs> yeah, know, very still open and, and yeah. hurting. Um, I think what hurt less uh, for me and some people on my team and the Death Laser itself was it was like, oh, okay, we need to figure out the next step to keep yeah. going because we were growing. We had to keep building um also i think within that too was not not too long after that demise you know um i was going to open up a theater my own self just Mm -hmm. like well i guess this is the next (laughs) yeah and then uh and then i ended up working with paul and like that happened so quick and all the energy went into that it kind of just funneled into that and just keep going keep moving forward yeah uh when did you start doing stuff at mi west side uh Right after uh, iOS went down, yeah. it was great because uh, Nick Armstrong, shout out to that guy, uh, love him so Former much. Former guest, yeah, he's great. Right? Yeah, uh, he's the AD there, and uh, iOS went down, and he wrote this beautiful letter to the community of, he's like, hey, I understand you guys are in pain and feel the way you feel. We are, you know, opening our yeah. doors to you. If you need a home, this we would love for you to call this place your home, mm-hmm. and that that meant a lot to me. So uh, I followed up on that, and he was like, hey, I think you would be great here. I think you can learn a lot. You can make a lot of friends. It's a great community. Let me introduce you to Levin O'Connor, who was yeah. the uh, – Teaching director at the time. Yeah. yeah, and I only knew him, like, tangentially. Mm. But the way he was just so open and uh, receiving and just so helpful, yeah. right off the bat, um, to, <laughs> to be kind of a snob a little bit, I sent a letter, and we were talking about classes – I really didn't want to start at like level one, yeah, or even level two, with because yeah. I had just put in so much work. I was like, oh, I hope I don't have to start there, you know. Yeah. And uh, I told him my 
air quotes for me now, improv resume, he was like, oh, hey, man, no, we're going to put you right here. We think. Yeah. Uh, he was nice enough to say, we can put you in six or seven, which is like the very yeah. last class. Yeah. And he was like, but I think you can make some more friends and learn our philosophy if you started in four or five. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, that's, yeah, I can do that. For sure. And I was great because uh, I jumped into four and I took Annie O'Connor. Mm. And they, they love teaching. Um, it's eluding it's me now. That sounds so great. Like organic, like organic, like yeah, yeah, yeah very much um, discovery based. Yeah, and yeah. I come from such a, a like diagnostic yeah process of like okay, I'm in a straight up search scene. This is mm-hmm. this. The word I was looking for, ladies and gentlemen, was called viewpoints. Viewpoints. Yeah. yeah, and they do viewpoints inspired stuff, and that was something I've always wanted to learn. So I'm yeah. so glad I jumped into that because that's such that's like the complete. 180 way of looking <laughs> yeah. uh, in, into the to the art, and it's helped me so much. I'm so glad I did that. Like that was yeah. godsend. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Eric Honeycutt introduced me to viewpoints in like level three, and I was like, "What is this?" And then certainly, I, I was fortunate enough to work with uh, uh, the O'Connells when they lived out here. Yeah. Um, and now they live in like Minnesota or like Michigan or something like that. Yeah, Montana. Montana. I know it's an M one. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Uh, Big Sky Country. You uh, took it. Yeah. There you go. I can I can <laughs> nail the the slogan, but I can't name the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I name the state. So you're doing stuff at the MI West side. So you're on a, uh, uh, you're on a uh, yeah, Sunday Night Lizard people. Uh, yeah, we're on an alley team. Alley team, which would be like uh, I don't know, kind of like a DC team uh, for for the old iOS days. You know, yeah. kind of like it's a it's a opportunity for the up and coming players yeah. to kind of show Absolutely. what they got. Dig it. So uh, so going over that stuff. So now let's talk about Revolution Theater. Yeah, uh, certainly a a highlight of the shutting down of um, iOS was the opportunity for stuff like this, and I think. For me, at least, if I had to pick a, a, a place that was like, this is what they they nailed it correct because they took a bad situation and grew from it, it's definitely revolutionary theater. Yeah, I think so, so, too. So you were already close with Paul Valancourt through working with him, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, did you both approach, like, did one of you approach the other person with this idea? or Because <laughs> you mentioned you yeah. were thinking about maybe starting your own thing. Yeah, I, I love this story. So um, shout out, and you got to go to the iOS days to get to this. Uh, Zach had been nice enough to give the Death Laser... Uh, an hour-long slot at one point uh, for every week in the DCT, and we called it the Death Laser Invitational. And we did this specifically of inviting teams that were not iOS-based. We had mm-hmm. people from Westside, we had people from Pat, just people from all over to kind of just have a you know, well-curated yeah. lineup. So uh, we were we were running that very well, and we, we were bringing in almost like full crowds for like a Sunday night show in the DCT. Yeah. Like that's that's good stuff. So. Um, we heard the news, and there's two weeks left, and things are going down. And, uh, you know, Paul does this man versus movie show where he does uh, the world's only one-man improvised movie. Yeah. And everybody's worried about, you know, iOS, and everybody's saying their goodbyes. Uh, I message him, you know, because we talk. And I was like, hey, man, are you going to do one more <laughs> man versus movie? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, well, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And in my mind, I was like, oh, well, that's bullshit. You're going to do this Death Laser Invitational and yeah. the, on the last weekend. And we made sure for that last weekend to invite people who had been so influential to building up uh, yeah. the back part of iOS. We had this team called Nerdvana yeah. and uh, Jeff Hawkins, who had helped build this Friday Night Frankenstein, which was like the first incarnation of any yeah. shows uh, in the DCT. We brought this all together and, uh, you know... Paul got to say his goodbye with Man vs. Movie. Of course, yeah. he also did that with Beer Shark Mice, but it was important for me to also do that with yeah. you know, the movie, which is important to him. So we were talking, and then uh, shortly thereafter, I, I decided, as I mentioned, we're going to, you know, I'm going to, not I'm going to, but there's a bunch of my friends. We're going to start a, a theater. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to get a space, and we're going to have people perform, and yeah. we'll f- figure it out. Yeah. So I messaged Paul, and I go, Hey man, um, so how often do you want to play at this new place I'm starting? Yeah, and he's like, "Well, I don't think that's going to happen." And I was like, "What? Why?" And he's like, "Well, I'm starting a theater, and I was hoping that you would come and play with us, and I want you to be as involved as possible." And I was right. like, "You got a deal." Yeah, and then uh, we ate a huge tri-tip the next week uh, and talked about plans for. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was a good tri-tip too, man. Yeah, he. Uh, Roasted Brussels sprouts with a red vinegar reduction. At the very least, follow Josh's uh, Instagram for his meat like uh, production. <laughs> I don't know if it's on. Instagram. I know it's on Facebook. I don't know if it's on Instagram. Yeah, but... it's on Instagram. Okay, for yeah. Sure. Follow at the very least. Follow that just for the the like. Because I'm I'm like I'm sitting here like because like the thing is I'll see like I'll, I'll see the end product first. I'm like oh let me go back and like see the <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't know why I was always meant to see the end product first. I'm like oh let's see, let's go with the recipe with Josh. Like, yeah. So uh, we 
we uh, over dinner we talked about what he wanted to do as mm-hmm. far as what he saw the theater would be and starting very s- small and building it into something bigger with eventually school and a curriculum yeah uh, making it move towards digital and uh, seeing what that world holds yeah and uh, he was very nice enough to let me be a part of that as far as helping with the background stuff and uh, bringing in people. Um, one of the people we brought in was uh, Jarrett Kaufman, who's mm. one of my best friends. He's a brother to me. Uh, he helped. He did most of the work. He built the website mm. and how that looks and kind of just the infrastructure from that. And it's been very uh, boots on the ground yeah. and getting people. And our philosophy so far, because we haven't had any like house teams yet, yeah. is we've really uh, had this idea of curating what we feel is like the best comedy in the area and right. bringing people in. So we'll have a night that's uh, just genre-related stuff. Yeah. You know, you have your Dungeons & Dragons, your Harry Potters. Uh, we'll have a, uh, a night at the theater where it's musical improv and uh, Shrew, which is like an all-female improvised right. Shakespeare. Shakespeare yeah. yeah, and then there's just like uh, like form-centric, which would yeah. be, uh, I guess, this fri- or the Friday that just passed. It would be like us doing the deconstruction, Paul doing... Uh, man versus movie. We had like a Herald team, yeah. you know, and just we're trying to hit all the bases of everything. Dig it. Just build it from the ground up. It's been so rewarding. Yeah. Uh, what I think, like, so, so all of which to circle back to the JTS band really quick because, yeah, like, yeah. this, and it's going to also kind of bleed into philosophy too, but like, this, the thing that, like, I feel like as a person who's been both an audience member and has had great audiences and all, all this kind of stuff, like, this, Maybe I'm almost romanticizing a little bit, like this connection that you have between like a really good show and the audience is like this thing that I think people chase, and I think it's this like thing that's like impossible to describe. And like, if I was a theater, I'd be always kind of chasing that thing. You know what I mean? Like this, like because like again, I, I, like ever since I did the JDS Brown, and again, that's why I'm glad you ha- you're on here because we can talk about it a little bit more. Sure. But like that, like those moments where we had the police brutality stuff, the Trump stuff, where we had mm-hmm. these cathartic moments with the audience and, and the, the talking to them, you know? Yeah. This, in, this, like, fucking huge in-the-moment engagement with the audience, and now you're starting a theater, or rather, Revolution's already been started, so, like, now you're part of a company trying to always strive for that. For sure. Like, how, not, like, Revolution, but how do, like, we, as people who are behind the scenes or people who want to run stuff or people who are even on teams, how do we get better at achieving that, or how do we get better at encapsulating it like where do we go mm-hmm. to to make it so that our audience is going to be there and have a good time um uh, like not even like i don't mean like even ticket sales like that's not what i'm at but like how do, sure. how do the people who are there regardless of how many they are how ticket do they, sales are hard to do yeah sure <laughs> well the people who are there how do we get them as like just heart pounding emotionally involved as possible here's what here's what i've come to the, uh I think it is. I'm certainly not an expert on it, but right. from what I've noticed, especially with the decon work, which is very uh, thematic and, and right. social commentary heavy, um, you can play the premise, right? But that gets very thin and very dry very quick. Like, I don't know how to do a scene with Donald Trump now because, yeah. like, he's gone beyond the heighten, yeah, <laughs> and he's gone beyond what we would sweep at it already. I think what really people identify with is empathy for the for the character that they're watching yeah you know i mean we can do a scene where you know police brutality is bad and obviously that's bad and we can do a scene where you know trump is a horrible person we of course know that but doing a scene where we have to empathize with the person who has suffered this or is suffering through this or has survived and made it through this either good or bad like that emotional journey of this person enduring whatever that may be that that emotional journey is what keeps people yeah. connected and i've i've felt that i've done scenes where like you know i'm coming out and like but mr trump you can't possibly do this and people uh. are like huh, yeah yeah he's going to do it at the end right yeah. it's like yeah he's like okay i've seen this scene yeah. <laughs> and you still have like two more beats to go in that scene yeah. just like okay are we done yet but if you if you're in the moment and you're connecting with your partner and you guys are both feeling this thing together more often than not man like people are either going to like gasp because they're like oh my gosh what's going on yeah or they're you're going to have like that heartfelt applause yeah and if you're listening to this hopefully you know the difference between like there's that like polite applause like oh hey the scene's over yeah. versus like the, like a more a heavier applause where like yeah. that was some good work yeah 
I yeah, I definitely. I think this is the perfect segue to get more into our philosophy kind of stuff. Yeah, let's I do think it. this is uh, so. I think this is touching on this, but like, let's say you do like an improv show. Mm-hmm. Maybe it depends on the form. Maybe it depends on the people up there. But like, is the show itself more for the audience or is it more for the players? I think it's two things. I think ultimately, the show and using those words that you said, yeah, is for the audience. If there's a if there's an audience coming to watch you, yeah. Even if they're not paying, they're paying with their time. And mm-hmm. you want to deliver uh, something beneficial to them. Even if it's not 100% laughs, if you can change the way of thinking, uh, change how they feel emotionally. Maybe they did have a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, One of my favorite stories, and I'm going to crib this because it's not mine. Uh, Pat Finn was telling this uh, on another podcast. It was, I think it was Dave Rosowski's podcast, where he was going to do a show. And they were going to cancel the show because there was only like four people in the audience. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're going to cancel the show, and he was talking to his mom about how we're going to cancel the show. And Pat Finn's mom said, well, they didn't know people weren't going to show up on this horrible day. Maybe yeah. they need to laugh. Yeah. And he was like, ugh, okay, we're going to do the show. Yeah. You know, so even if it's three people, four people, if it's 40 people, like, they're there for a reason. Nobody mm. wants to leave their home for no reason. Like, yeah. they want to be entertained, or they want to think something different. They want to feel something. So I think that's, you know, our challenge as a team, as an improviser, as a performer, to do that. Now, if we're talking about, like, forms, like JTS Brown and Harold. And sure. DK, man, I, we can go off on that all day, and I'm happy to. But I, I would feel that's pretty much just yeah. for, for us to add a little yeah. bit more sauce in the game. Yes. Yeah. Well, like, I guess then it, it kind of leans itself into this next question, mm-hmm. but uh, – the question is, who is serving who more? Is it mm. is the art serving the artist more, or are the artists serving the art? And is one right? Is one wrong? Is it fine? Should it be 50-50? Like, and I asked that question knowing mm-hmm. full well that you are going to give me an answer that is going to be uh, <laughs> satisfactory, but I will never... Because I part of the, And I've... God help me, I've quoted this so many times. Yeah, yeah. But like, I ask these questions because these are things I think about, and I want to know the answer to, knowing full well that there is no correct answer. Yeah. So, like, so the art, is it serving the artist more, or is, it, or is the artist serving the art more? Oh, man, I, I wish, yeah, you're 100% right on what you just said. Yeah. I wish there was an exact answer. I feel, uh, as a performer, that the art does serve the artist, because that's what keeps mm-hmm. me going. Yeah. You know, I, I even thinking back to what I did in level one versus mm-hmm. what you did in level two, and then you go years down and what you're doing now, like, you can feel that growth and that, that arc of development, and you feel your voice become more developed and you know, uh, you, as an artist, you start d- having a vocabulary. And then uh, it, not only do you have a vocabulary of ideas and moves and thoughts, but then you're able to convey that more properly. And, mm-hmm. like, that, yeah, it does serve each other. But I think the fact that I keep going to shows even now, like, yeah, I, I think I go to shows even more now than I did then. Yeah. Just because I'm watching teams, learning. Uh, yeah, it totally fuels what I'm doing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, well, how this is a good point because you mentioned the difference between even level one and level two. But like, how now as an improviser can you tell that you're getting better? Because I genuinely believe if you keep at this, regardless of whatever form philosophy you do, you're always better year to year. I don't know if you, I don't know if someone. I think you can be as good as you were last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can get worse. Maybe maybe you could. I guess, but like I, I doubt it. So, uh, how do you now know? How do you, how, how can you tell that you are better than you were say a year ago, two years ago? Like, is it? Is it something mark market like you can market market you can market? I'm saying two words. You yes. can mark it. <laughs> mark space. Yeah, it. Yeah. Yes. 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 Can you like feel it? Like how can you tell that you are better now than you were, say a year two years ago? Oh yeah, that's uh, very simple. For me, it's it's how comfortable I feel in the scene and how comfortable I am to be vulnerable with my partner. Um, I think one of the best compliments I've ever received was when I got fairly recently from uh, from Brian O'Connell. We were doing um, I was doing this show over at the Pack Theater. It was called Thank You Places, and it was like uh, it was like a three act play, and like it was two partners each, so mm. each one picked up from the other. And uh, I was doing the third scene, so there was a lot of a lot of work to do. Yeah. And uh, I come out there and I come with a friend of ours, uh, Bill Cott. Mm, Bill we, Cott, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he makes this wonderfully bold, dynamic decision to play a parrot, mm-hmm. and I have to, I have to work with talking with the parrot. And I really just uh, bared my soul out there, and I just, I did the best I could. And then the next day, I get a note from Brian, who is a former teacher. He was like, "Hey, I just want to let you know that was great work that you've done. Um, 
you wouldn't have been able to do that scene two years ago. Sure, yeah. So the fact that he said that meant a lot. Um, I also think you learn a lot from your teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, learning, I think, for the longest time, as I had mentioned before, when I first started, I was afraid to even talk to people. Yeah. And then uh, learning the moves and how to construct a scene was so important because, like, I'm in charge of this because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then learn to let go of that and just listen and react. And, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's kind of soul-crushing but also enlightening at some point where it's like it's not about you. Yeah. It's really about serving your partner. And I had spent I had spent two years before, okay, I got to be right in the scene. I got to make the perfect initiation. This yeah. has to work this way or else the whole scene's going to go off and everybody's yeah. going to hate me and I'm going to quit improv. Yeah. None of that happened. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, okay, this is the initiate. What do they want from me? How can I best serve them? Yeah. And, and which is funny because that's, I learned that in level one. Yeah. But it, like, I'm really learning that now. Yeah. Which I guess goes back to the art feeding the artist. Yeah, definitely. I like that a lot. Uh, so now that you've started, uh, mm-hmm. you're starting Revolution Theory, you've done, uh, you've been the person whose improv got its hooks into you. But like, what is it about improv specifically that gets its hooks into people? Because like, you know, it's comedy. You can do stand up. It's 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 scenes. You can do sketch. Yeah. And certainly, those hooks get into those people too. Uh-huh. But I feel like. I see a lot more often, especially I, I teach dropping classes, a lot of newer improvisers. Yeah, I can see people get the hooks of improv into them, and now it's a part of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, what is it about improv specifically that happens? It's magic. It's magic. It's 100% magic. Uh, there's there's that there's a saying where it's, uh, you know, it's like improv's like live jazz. You know, mm-hmm. it's it happens, it's best when it's in the moment. It doesn't look that great when it's videotaped and you watch it three weeks yeah. later. And it's those little moves that happen in between that build everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like, if I watch a sketch, I, I understand that it's been written, mm. it's been rehearsed, it's been teched, it's been performed. Like, I'm expecting to laugh or have that certain end result to it. Yeah. But when you're watching improv, it, everything is – it's in the air. Like, you can feel it in the air of, like, these guys creating stuff right in front of you. I think that's why if you watch TJ and Dave, that's why it's so – magnetic because mm-hmm. those pauses that they take it's like you feel them like conjuring for sure this yeah. thing and putting it out to the people and you you feel that you know by osmosis almost or, yeah. or the way what i like to say is uh you know you've, you've been to a rock concert before yeah. right and if you're close to like the bass drum and the drummer's hitting it like you can feel the pressure from the bass drum like kind of going through your solar plexus yeah. through you like that's what improv is if yeah. if, if it's if it's hitting you right, that's that's where that magic is. That's what happens when I saw Beer Shark for the first time. Like, exactly, that shit yeah. went through me. Yeah. Oh well, uh, certainly. Uh, uh, so this is going to be, uh, I think, a tough one because as as we are now with improv, and let's say like improv has been what it is for the last what however many years, thirty, forty years, you yeah, know, yeah. fifty. We've started in the fifties or whatever. Are we just scratching the surface? Are we halfway through its growth? Where are we in terms of I'm going to cut the, you. We are yeah. scratching the surface. We're scratching so, the surface. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. I think we are so early on in this art form history. I like. I think it's so important to understand the history mm-hmm. of it and Viola Spolin and where that came from and mm-hmm. reading the literature from that and understanding the difference of how I.O. started and how you know McNapier's work started and those yeah. different approaches. Like It's so early on. It's like... Why not know that? Mm. And like, people are still developing their own philosophies, and it's yeah, we're so early on. So, what is going to be then the catalyst for growth? Is it is there going to be one major one? Is it a bunch of little ones? Because I think about like Del Close was certainly whether you, whether whatever your feelings about him, but mm-hmm. Del Close starting IO was sure. probably a big catalyst for improv. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's I think that's fair to say. IO West was a big catalog, catalyst mm-hmm. for improv because that brought improv to yeah. you know LA and mm-hmm. I'm sure there I mean there was L- improv there beforehand, but like what is going to be the catalyst for growth? Is it a person? Is it a theater? Should I stop looking for there to be one catalyst? Maybe it's a bunch of little ones. Like what is going to be the thing that is going to push improv forward? Well, I, I think it so much depends on your area, first of all. Because like, mm-hmm. for the longest time, I did not know that there was improv in the OC, which I apologize for. But now that I know it's there, it's wonderful. Like yeah. I didn't know what how great uh, y- you know, it, it is out here. So yeah. once I started going to the festivals and once I learned about you, yeah. and it's just there's so much stuff. But it, it's like you know that seed that spreads from the tree and it goes mm-hmm. to like to get super hippy dippy. It goes to like the four winds and then it takes seed and then yeah. it roots up. So 
the location matters only to the point that at some point that seed's going to take hold and then a tree will form and then that's where everybody gravitates to. I think so much having a big theater, not like a big theater like size-wise, but like one that everyone can gravitate to and mm-hmm. centralize on is important. I mean, mm. we just saw that we just saw that with iOS. Everyone mm. gravitated towards that um, because there's three theaters there. There was a bar. There, there was a community. And then as soon as that place left, so many places emerged. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great and that's wonderful. Yeah. But eventually, as unfortunately happens with time, some will, some will stay, some will go. Yeah. And then once you see the ones that stay continue to grow and grow, those are the ones that will get bigger. And you know, become its thing, and then that will spread out further. With improv uh, specifically, does something need to end before new things begin? Sorry, let me, let me put it this way. Does yeah. something major need to end before smaller independent things begin? No, I, I, I don't think so. You don't think so? Um, if we're talking, like, in an institutional way, I think yeah. it's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, when iOS was up and running, you still had places like you know the pack theater mm. and you had west side and you, you had all these other places that mm. were fundamentally different mm-hmm. you know and still did their own thing and i didn't even mention ucb and both of their theaters in yeah. that so yeah it's definitely i don't think one thing has to end for another thing to begin right. i do think it does make way for a clean break sometimes like sure. uh i know for sure had io still been there i would still be hoping to have my sunday night slots yeah. still booking the shows yeah where I'm in a completely different landscape. It's, yeah. it's weird hoping to, you know, just producing a show to helping recruit teams and book nights and, and recruit people for that and be part of a theater and building things. Right. So in one part, you know, I'm so sad that that happened because, I mean, that was a home for a whole bunch of people and for right. myself. But I am eternally grateful for what it how what has happened after because it's a whole new world. Yeah. Yeah. Dig it. Because, I mean, like, that's, I guess, like, I, I compare it to, like, <laughs> like they say when, like, when a whale dies or whatever, mm-hmm. it becomes an ecosystem for, like, yeah. thousands of critters, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a blue whale. Like, it has to be a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're, so, like, we're not talking about any of that narwhal shit. Yeah, not, uh, pussies. Uh, <laughs> uh, that might be the first time I ever said pussies on this show. Um, you can swear, by the way. I should have said that earlier. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, I mean, like, I guess, like, that's the thing, like... I guess my problem is, like, I always try to, like, compartmentalize um, mm-hmm. improv. I can't believe I nailed compartmentalize on the first try. Um, into, like, comparing it to other things. But I know that it's not because it's not – improv isn't a dead whale that creates a bunch of, like, living, like, places for other pl- things. Like, it, for sure. It, that whale and those creatures could have lived. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. something I talk about all the time with, like – Different communities, like, outside of L.A., it's like, dude, rising tide floats all boats, guys. Let's all mm-hmm. – if everyone got better at improv, wherever – I mean, yeah. I had someone today – or not today, but, like, two weeks ago was like, do you care that I take dropping classes somewhere else? It's like, no, dude. As long as you get better and feel more comfortable, I don't care where you take it from. Yeah. Come back here when you're ready. Leave. I don't care. Like, whatever you want to do that you genuinely feel like this is better for my improv journey, then go right ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I guess, like, the – What's frustrating to me about improv is that there is, I mean, jazz is close, but I really don't think that you can compare it to something else. So we can't, mm. we can't learn from the mistakes of other places first, and improv has to make its own mistakes. You know what I mean? And granted, like, some mistakes that improv makes, everyone has, is dealing with, like, especially, like, the Me Too movement, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, like, scumbag yeah. guys. Everyone at the same time kind of learned all those mistakes at the same time. For so sure. that's that that's better, I guess. I don't know. It's a, mm-hmm. it's tough across the board. But, like, we don't have – we can't compare it to, like, this mighty empire can't compare it to another mighty empire that's screwed up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we can't compare it to something else. And I guess that's what's frustrating to me is because, like – it feels like some places could do everything right and still fail. Some people, some places can do everything wrong and succeed. And like, yeah, I can't quantifiably measure or time <laughs> yeah. improv. You know what I mean? I think, well, I think that's kind of which is probably why I ask these questions. I'm just trying to like. Well, I think that's be, the fundamental flaw for guys like you and mm-hmm. me and whoever else is listening that this means so much to because it yeah. means so much to us. We want to be able to quantify it and yeah. set it in some a but, unit of measurement would be great. Yes, like right? Yeah. It, it's this many what curics or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right? But like in its nature, it's so ephemeral and so you know, to the wind that we can't. And that's what's hard because I, there's also a lot of improvisers who, you know, 
do have a tough time emoting, you know, being relating from person yeah. to person. And that's why we get into this so we can tell our jokes and we can do this without having to super duper connect. And then when we really do connect, we want to quantify how we can connect. I, I just I just realized what it is for me. It's like whenever yeah. you watch like a show like a Game of Thrones or kind of something like high fantasy, Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings kind of stuff. Yeah. I hate it when they don't explain how magic works in that show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel like what it is with IOS, uh, well, not IOS, but with improv, is like, mm-hmm. no one's really explaining the magic, how it's supposed to be working. Because yeah. someone can train you on how to do the magic, someone yeah. can teach you the rules and the words to say in yeah. the magic, but no one's going to explain how the magic works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Harry Potter's like, oh, do some people are born with it? That's all I needed to hear. Yeah. But improv doesn't even have that, where it's like, it's just some people are born with improv and some people aren't. So you just have to, like, no one has told me that. Yeah. So like, I guess that's I'm now realizing that's the reason why I'm like, but just tell me how the rules are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, has and now that everyone's turned this off, uh, we can continue. <laughs> like, Fuck yeah. Uh, no. I so we're gonna, we're we're gonna wrap up with um with this two part question, but the answers might be the same. So yes, sir. They are feel free. Yeah. So for you, what was the hardest? Note to receive in the best note. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. I don't mm. mean hardest in terms of like meanness. I mean hardest in something that you had was a challenge that you overcame, and it's something that was applicable to your play. Sure. And then the best being something that was the most revolutionary, most uh, eye-opening thing for you. Again, those might be one and the same thing. Sure, sure, they sure. Absolutely can be. They don't have to be. Whatever you like. Great. Um, I think <laughs> the hardest note I ever get is the most recent note that mm. I've ever gotten because that's yeah. the one that you're working on. Yeah. Uh, so that works in, in two ways. Um, I'm taking a kind of a, it's called the dark arts class over at Revolution Theater. And what Paul likes to do is teach uh, stuff that has applied to him through the years that he's not necessarily had a platform to teach before. So oh, it's kind interesting. Of, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of his secrets and what's made him the improviser that he is. So we're uh, we're doing level one, and it's a whole bunch of like great heavy hitters in that class. Like mm. the guys from Red Door in that class. Like it's oh a, really? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So we're all in this together, and uh, he's it's like a diagnostic kind of just hey, let me see where you guys are at. Mm. And we're doing the scenes, and, and we're talking after, and you know it, it it comes to this realization of like I'm really great at uh, like. Being aggressive, I can initiate a scene. I can know where it goes. I can add what, mm-hmm. add. I can be aggressive throughout a whole set and carry it, which is yeah. great. But I don't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> not, you know, not not all the time, and maybe not with the people that I've spent three years of my life performing with. Yeah. And it's like learning how to do that, but you know, just react and listen even more. Mm. It's like that saying, you know, like how there was Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, but uh, and as great as Fred Astaire was as a dancer, Ginger Rogers was ultimately better because she had to do it backwards and in heels yeah just and i want to i want to be better at dancing backwards and in heels mm-hmm. um so I, i'm really into that like i want to lay off the initiating as much and learn how to just hey it's not about me josh spence it's about serving my partner yeah. in that moment even more so yeah like i can do i can do that to carry a scene but to do it consistently and like have that be like the first mode yeah is important to me um the the worst note I've ever read, <laughs> the best note, the toughest note is um, on a personal level is learning how to be a better teammate. Yeah. And everybody gets that. I'm uh, maybe you've gotten this from if you're still listening to this podcast. I can be very type A where it's like, oh, OK, so we're building a team. OK, let's get the page. Let's get the Twitter. Let's get the images. Let's yeah. get the artwork. Like, let's go one hundred and eighty thousand yeah. miles an hour forward and do this. And I would sometimes just do all the work. Yeah. And that would be it. And, yeah. Uh, like learning to let other teammates do it. And like, even if it's not to the way that, even if they failed, like that's part of their journey and yeah. letting that happen. And and it learns to have people accountable to each other. And ultimately that builds a better friendship, a better dynamic, yeah. and just kind of learning to let go. Yeah. Which is funny because both you and I are, are, are like, we love this so much, yeah. right? Like I just, I, like I'm holding improv so tight or, or had been, where it's like, it's in a chokehold. It's not yeah, even a hug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a chokehold. And you got to learn to let go of that sometimes. Exactly. That's 100% correct. So, yeah, I'm definitely in that phase. And I feel I'm not only a better performer, but uh, a better person because yeah. of that. What was Absolutely. your second question, so I can nail uh, that? So that was the that was the hardest portion of it, but the best, the most eye opening, revolutionary. Those, by the way, might have been it, like because I think that those were those are something those are things that I would deem as like those are very much something that I would 
value and thing is the best note I could have gotten. You know what I mean? But, yeah. But if you have something that you think is 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 more than that, then absolutely feel free. It was hardest note, which is you know the most recent one, yeah. and then being a better teammate, best one. If it's if it's there. Oh. You don't have to force anything. Because <laughs> again, the two you said were absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the best note I had received, it kind of just jumps out. It was like, hey, uh, you remember when you played Batman who had that really, you couldn't do Batman's voice, but you're still trying to be Batman? Yeah. Keep doing that because everybody liked it. Yeah. So even if you looked bad, like everybody loved it. So keep keep doing it for us. Hey, man, fail big. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's the. I'm I, Batman. Like, it was just, it was so silly, but it worked. Uh, I'll tell you, so, Okay. Uh, I was going to move on. We were going to wrap up, but uh, this might lead to something else. So I, as a teacher or as a performer, I've noticed I think that the people's biggest thing that get in their way is an insecurity to look dumb. You know what I mean? I think insecurity is like the driving force for people not choosing to do things in an Mm -hmm. improv scene. Yeah. Um, Whether that's just who they are as a person, maybe that's in the lifestyle they grew up with. I think that insecurity is a driving force for Mm -hmm. so much of what people do as performers. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly realize I just did an alumni show uh, for my high school like cool. that I graduated seven years ago from. So like I realized like there like oh yeah so insecurity pretty much was my driving force for everything in high school. Got it. Uh, like I realized that on the drive there and I was like well I wish I knew that when I was fucking fifteen. Like hey just so you know buddy insecurity is gonna drive everything. So maybe you can get around that. Oh do you know how many less pizzas I would have eaten in my life? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, yeah no seriously though like. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that element, uh, but now I see that as an adult, as a teacher of improv, as a performer of improv, and like acknowledging th- what people are dealing with that there's their biggest hurdle. For me, what people's biggest hurdle is their insecurity on stage. Which, by the way, I can't just say like, oh, turn on a light switch and suddenly be secure in yourself. It's it yeah. is it is the growth and pushing forward as a performer to get more comfortable with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because really becoming a, a, a teacher and a coach in that aspect is what really has kind of fueled that for me. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm not teaching or coaching on a consistent basis. I have p- picked up a few indie teams here and there and mm. uh, had helped with their form work. And that's what really kind of spurred that on. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, yeah, once they, it's funny, maybe you'll identify with this. You know, when you're teaching or coaching people and they're like, oh, hey, cool, I'm going to watch you play. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so like everything I just said, like I'm super accountable for. Yeah. I really oh, got for sure, dude. Y- you know, it's like I I have to, you know, I have to play like I preach and yeah, yeah, being empathetic and listening and all of that other like gooey stuff really does account for something. Yeah, definitely, I dig it. Uh, cool. This, this has been a really great episode, man. I, I've had a lot of fun. Uh, always great catching up with you too. Like, and all yeah, I'm so glad stuff. we did this. Of man. course, man. I'm so stoked. So what? Let's get our plugs out one more time and then we'll wrap up for today. Yeah, man. Okay, so uh, you can catch me over at the Westside Theater with uh, the Alley Team, uh, Lizard People. We play uh, every other Sunday night at uh, 7 o'clock if you want to go down to the West Side. Uh, you can also catch me at the uh, Revolution Theater with the Feel Good, Not Bad Death Laser. We play every other Friday there. We share the hour with the man uh, you may have heard in this podcast, Paul Valencourt and his Man vs. Movie. Uh, we also play every other Thursday at the Improv Orphanage, mm-hmm. so you can catch a lot of the Death Laser. We're playing all over the place. And then um, I'm actually starting a podcast with my brother in arms, Jared Kaufman. Dig it. Um, yeah, it's called the Krusty Couch Podcast. And it's, uh, you know, those. Please get a better name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're starting there. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. You, you know, it's that idea where you have some of those best conversations in the green room. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's capturing that. And we talked about that. Yeah. And we'd love to have you come aboard. Of course, and do man. I can't wait. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, just support the theater, support live arts. That's, that's where it's at, man. Dig Catch it, some man. magic. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, again, I want to thank Josh Spencer for being on here. It was a really great episode. Thank I you, had a lot man. of fun. Uh, last person I want to thank is you, the listener, listening to this episode. Thank, thank you. you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. This has been a Don't Look Down production. Join the journey with Joey on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JourneymanPod. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash don't look down productions.